Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 210 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week, I hosted a special panel discussion with three incredibly talented photographers who have spearheaded a wonderfully thoughtful approach to photography called the Slow Photography Movement, or SPM. Created by Ernesto Ruiz, SPM is a philosophical approach to landscape and nature photography that has incredible benefits to you, the artist. Joining Ernesto this week are Jennifer Renwick and Beth Young, who have teamed up with Ernesto to promote and elevate SPM in our community. I really enjoyed picking their brains about the slow photography movement and how adhering to it can improve your photography, your experiences as a photographer, and your overall mental well-being in this art form. So sit back, relax, grab a coffee, beer, wine, or other adult beverage of choice, and enjoy our discussion. Before we get started, I wanted to let listeners know about an exclusive offer made available only to you. We have partnered with Nature Photographers Network, the internet's premier landscape and nature photographers website, co-owned by one of today's guests, Jennifer Renwick. NPN is now offering podcast listeners a free 30-day trial to the platform, plus 20% off their first year of membership. NPN is a wonderful place. As a member, you get access to incredible articles that will improve your photography. You also get access to useful critique forums and their Ask Me Anything discussions with top industry leaders, which are quite insightful. Just head over to naturephotographers.network forward slash f-stop or find the link in the show notes to get started with your free trial. Okay, let's get to the show. All right. Thank you for joining me for a podcast panel on the slow photography movement. Here today with us, we have Ernesto Ruiz, Jennifer Renwick, and Beth Young. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Yeah, so let's uh, let's first before we dive into the the meat of this, let's let's go around and just kind of do some quick introductions. Um, and let's start with you, Ernesto. Hi, well, my name is Ernesto Ruiz. I'm actually an architect uh, in the day, and I practice photography as a hobby. Uh, I started doing it in 2015. I started doing cityscapes mostly, but I've turned into a landscape photographer over the past couple of years and. A few years ago, the slow photography movement idea uh, came to my head, and and uh, and it really kind of changed how I approach photography, and it's allowed me to meet wonderful people like Jennifer and Beth. Uh, so I'm a landscape photographer. I mainly do art shows, and I sell print uh, and license images. So here I am. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank thank you. Um, let's uh, jump to you, Jennifer. Uh, right. vet- veteran to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Hi. Um, thanks again, Matt, for having us. Um, so I'm Jennifer Renwick. I am a full-time nature photographer based out of Colorado, although I travel mostly full-time with my partner, David Kingham, teaching photography workshops throughout the American West. I'm also a co-owner of the Nature Photographers Network along with David. And I was really excited when Ernesto invited me to be part of this, um, gosh, I don't know, two or three. I think over two years ago, I think back in 2018, actually. So that was really exciting just because it was something that I had kind of already been doing in my photography, but it was exciting to meet up with him and then collaborate with a very you know similar um, minded group of photographers. And yeah, it's been really fun. So excited to talk about it today. Excellent. And uh, what about for you, Beth? 
Hi, my name is Beth Young. Um, I am based out of Sacramento, California. I'm a native of New York. Uh, like uh, Ernesto, I'm also a full-time architect. Photography is uh, my creative outlet. Um, and I also joined Slow Photography Movement back in 2018 when Ernesto reached out. And I had never collaborated with other photographers before. Um, but it was a really exciting opportunity to kind of make more connections uh, in the photography community through that. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say I've been really enjoying your photography, Beth and Ernesto and Jennifer, of course, too, but you already knew that. Thank you. So I'm going to ask a just a simple question and I'll probably have Ernesto answer first. You know, give a give the audience a little bit of background on how the slow photography movement uh, came to be. What was the genesis of the slow photography movement and what drew each of you to get involved individually? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. I, um, you know, this really started because I was getting to a point in photography, this was 2018, uh, where I wasn't really enjoying myself very much. I was putting a lot of pressure uh, on myself to get a lot of work out there, photograph as much as other people were. I was following some other, especially local photographers in my area who were out for every sunset and every sunrise, you know, and I was like, am I a photographer if I'm not motivated to go out there at all those times? Uh, so I was feeling like competitive pressure um, and, and a kind of a lack of fulfillment. Uh, so my wife in particular, who's very supportive and uh, uh notice this, uh, you know, when, when I'm like a peddling child in the car, uh, because it's a beautiful sunset, I don't happen to be capturing it. Uh, and I'm feeling like stressed out, like photography is this external thing that happens to me, right? That I need to capture it when it happens. So one, uh, one afternoon when we're chilling, having a conversation about this, she said, you know, maybe what you need to do is practice some slow photography. And so it actually came from my wife when she said that. And suddenly it was like slow photography. So we started talking about the slow movement. And then suddenly we spent like five hours that afternoon researching this. And I'm like, who's talked about this? And yeah, I found some things, but I'm like, how is there not a movement around this? So like literally by that night, the domain was registered. I had a website registered. And then my wife was kind of coaching me through a visioning board. She's an idea person. So we had this cardboard out and we're like, what are we about? What are we not about? And so, you know, long story short, it was like a sudden idea and suddenly uh, it's registered. And then I started trying to reach out to people to help, you know, like, who am I? Like, how am I going to build this by myself? So I'm like trying to find people who I would think would would work and would resonate with this idea. And I found somebody that uh, was a colleague of mine, uh, Jeremy Cunningham, who he helped me get this thing started at first. He used to moderate a uh, an Instagram called Icy Landscape. So he was like, I, I, I got you with, with, uh, with social media. So then it was, um, uh, it was a matter of finding other people. And that's where I started messaging people. And like I said, I, I didn't, I didn't really know any photographers. I knew a handful of twin cities photographers. I, I live in Minnesota. So I was finding people on Instagram and I think Jennifer and Beth, I think I probably messaged you both and you guys like, who's this guy? Uh, you know, but I was like, here's an idea. Do you want to be a part of it? Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll pass it on to them with that. I love that. You know, I, I think, I think what you said could resonate for a lot of photographers, you know, that, that fear of missing out stuff where you're in the car and you see a beautiful sunset happening or something. I, although I will say for myself, I've 
kind of gotten over that over the years. It's like, yeah, I'll just enjoy it for what it is. But I totally can appreciate what you're describing with that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and I think that I think the the slow photography movement now has helped me get over it finally. But it took years. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's have Beth answer um, why you got involved with the slow photography movement. Yeah, I think um, I think was friends with uh, uh, Jennifer on Facebook when she originally posted about it, and that's when I first heard about it. And that's when Jennifer's work was really starting to get the recognition that I felt like it really deserved, uh, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then. Ernesto, out of the blue, he just reached out to me back in 2018 um, and asked if I wanted to be part of it. And I was like, yeah, um, because like Ernesto, um, you know, living in Northern California, there's so many iconic locations to photograph around here. And I, too, was uh, going through that FOMO, fear of missing out. If I was working and I was missing a good sunset and I was, you know, feeling anxious um, but I think we all kind of go through that phase where we, um, go through, you know, photographing the iconic landscapes until we build our portfolio up and our skill level grows more. Um, and then we can be- begin to slow down a little bit and be a little bit more observant. So that was my, um, motivation for joining. Um, I also love writing about my experiences. So it gives me, um, an avenue to write about those as well. I love that. Yeah. Jennifer. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I agree with Beth and my journey was very similar to hers. You know, I started out doing this full time about five years ago and, you know, I mean, I think every photographer goes through that evolution. You know, you start out, you know, planting your tripod in other people's holes and, you know, you, you shoot the iconic stuff and that that's all super helpful. I mean, you know, we all started out doing that and it, you know, it helps you learn and it helps you kind of curate your vision and, you know, kind of, helps you focus on what you want to focus on. When I, when Ernesto reached out to me in 2018, it had actually, so 2018 was kind of like my epiphany year. Um, That's when I realized, you know what, I'm going to shoot what I like, what I connect with personally, put it out there because that to me means so much more than just showing like a snapshot of like a pretty landscape. Um, And I enjoy the organic engagement that comes off of that with other people, you know, talking about my image or, you know, what it might remind them of or how it makes them feel. And, um, you know, when I had that epiphany, it was actually in Yellowstone National Park when I started my abstracts project. And I was like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Like these little details and these smaller scenes just really speak to me. It's what I get enjoyment out of this. You know, this isn't supposed to be a stressful hobby. A caveat, I'm very, you know, fortunate that I get most of my income from teaching. So it's not a huge thing for me to, you know, I have to sell these epic prints to make a living. Um, so I'm thankful for that because I am able to spend time focusing on what I like to photograph. And like Beth, I enjoy writing about my experiences because that just, you know, touches people a lot more too than just showing a photo. And I'm a very moody and emotional photographer. So that kind of helps. Um, so yeah, I mean, just I was super excited when Ernesto asked me to be part of this because I, I do enjoy slowing down. I like those deeper connections with the landscapes. I like those stories and I like connecting with people and the viewers of my images as well, because I get, you know, so much out of that as well. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny, Jennifer, you mentioned 2018 because I think the year before that 2017, I think, or maybe it was 2018. I can't remember, but I remember you and me and David and Sarah Marino and Ron, we all got in David's truck and drove over the pass. And yes. 
I remember that was kind of a pivotal moment for me as well, just being around, you know, like-minded people and seeing, you know, it's not all about getting up at sunrise and shooting epic scenes and, you know, there's, you can find stuff all day long. You know? Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah, that was a fun evening. Was Alex with us too? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I think uh-huh. he was. Yeah, it was you guys. Yeah, you, Alex, and David and I. And yeah. what was fun with, you know, with that was we were just following what we were seeing. So we'd pass something. I think it was like broken clouds and it had kind of been snowing. It was really cool conditions. And I just remember like being like, oh, let's stop here and look at this. Oh, look at that. And we were just shooting what interested us. And that's a huge part of slow photography. Well, that, that's maybe a great segue. So let's talk about slow how do you define that? Is it more than just the literal definition of slowness? Like, are you talking about, you know, walking around like a sloth and and moving your camera really slowly? Or what exactly are we talking about here? <laughs> Can I take a first crack of that? That's a visual for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when when I start reaching out to people, some of the responses were like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get it. Like, oh, so it's low shutter. And, you know, so uh, it took a while for for right for some people to understand. Um, so I, I want to, you know, I, I, for me, uh, the first thing is that it connects to the slow movement. That is how, at least in my head, this was framed. Right. So it's really about, you know, what that is about is slowing down the pace of life and, and challenging this notion that faster is better. So for me, the important parts of that are releasing expectations because, you know, if I am really enjoying the moment and I'm enjoying nature and I'm enjoying what I do, I, I cannot have this pressure that I need to have one image by tomorrow and three by next week or something, right? So focusing on the experience, enjoying the moment and kind of releasing expectations. Uh, and that, that to me means even doing photography less often sometimes. So, you know, Part of the slowness, that might actually, you could argue that that might slow my growth, but I have to do what I enjoy. So that to me is kind of the the broad definition of how I see it personally. How, how would how would you see it, Beth? You know, for me, um, slow photography is really about um, reverence for your subject. It's about observation and appreciation. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, getting you know, running around all those iconic landscapes and, you know, slow photography movement has really helped me slow down, appreciate, um, try to understand my, my own vision, um, and what subjects I really have the most reverence for, but also it's not just the process for me. It's also about slowing down and appreciating other people's work and looking at the details, the tones, the textures, the composition, and you know, I mentioned earlier how much I love writing about my experiences, and I like to read um, about other pe- people's experiences as well. I like to understand their approach, their story, and then slow also can have a place in post processing for me, anyway. Um, if I go out and capture images, sometimes I'll sit on them. I'll kind of percolate them in my brain before I process them and share them. Um, so I think for me, it's all of those things. Hmm. Ernesto? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to add one thing because it, I think it's really funny. Uh, this doesn't mean that I'm not sometimes literally running to catch a shot, okay? So, you know, I might be enjoying the experience and loving the landscape. And, you know, basically what I shoot nowadays is whatever I happen to see. I don't tend to chase images anymore. That's one of the big changes. But 
you know, if I see a light somewhere, like, and this happened, we were in the Pacific Northwest in 2019, and you're in the forest, and you're seeing, like, streaks of light shining through places, and my wife has plenty of videos of me, like, just going on a sprint, <laughs> you know, to, to catch a certain angle of a certain tree where light is coming through. So, you know, I think that people have to get, you know, release this notion that, that we're just, like, meditating out there on the, you know, if you're a slow photographer, you know, you, you cannot actually, uh, you know, show some hustle after a shot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I, th- I think uh, I what you said about expectations really resonates for me. I um, for years my photography was focused around getting to a very specific spot and hoping that the conditions were going to be exactly what I had in my mind. And of course, that's not how nature works, right? And I can remember there. I actually just talked about this yesterday, but I can remember back in like 2014 when I moved to Oregon. I wanted to get a very specific photograph of this scene of Mount Hood that Alex Noriega actually had, and it inspired me to keep going back to the same spot. And it's a pretty long hike to get there, and I think I did it like six times before I realized it was kind of just a ridiculous notion, and I was actually getting really burned out on that approach to photography. And so, you know, I didn't call it slow photography, but... I will say that that type of approach where you release expectation and and just be open and curious to what you can find that that's really saved saved my photography so I think there's a lot of benefit to that approach is there anything you'd add to that Jennifer No I mean everything that's been said is you know spot on especially for my own experience um you know for me it's about you know releasing those expectations observing connecting and creating. Um, And, you know, that can be experimenting, that can be, you know, exploration based. Um, You know, a lot of my photography is literally just wandering around in nature and following what I'm curious about, you know, following those flashes of perception, um, you know, that make you stop and go, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of people are surprised when I say that, you know, I, I, I never head out with a plan very rarely, unless I'm doing, you know, the very rare astrophotography shot. Um, or there's something that I have in my mind, but yeah, I, I literally wander around without a plan and that's how I've stumbled upon some of my you know, favorite images. And yeah, I think there could be a misconception that even slow photography is just, you know, based on the smaller scenes in nature or those smaller moments. Um, but it can be, you know, grand landscapes, it can be night photography, it can really be anything, you know, I mean, one of the most important things and, you know, I think we've already heard it a little bit from all of us is, you know, photographing what you're passionate about and what you love. And if you love those grand landscapes and that light and, you know, chasing weather, you know, then, hey, you go for it. That's awesome. You know, I mean, that's more important than, you know, just doing it to do it, you know, follow what you're passionate about. Um, And, you know, and, you know, night photography can take a lot of planning that could be considered, you know, slow photography. Um, Beth wrote a nice article about that, too, you know, taking a slow approach with those types of planning shots. Um, You know, it can it's very, you know. Yeah, it can mean a lot to a lot of people. And I think that's important. It's not always just about the smaller scenes. It can be whatever you make of it. You know, as long as you're passionate about it, you enjoy shooting it. Um, you know, you can take a slow process with any of those things. You know, I think that's interesting, Jennifer, because um, one of the biggest changes, I think, to my approach that's happening like right now is because of our collaborations and we're doing this with, with, we call it SPM, Matt. I don't know if we want to do that here, but slow photography movement. Uh uh, it is that I think my focus has started to, I don't know if completely shift, but I've certainly added more smaller scenes to my portfolio and I'm certainly more interested now in shooting those. And I think that 
a lot of that is an influence from you guys and also from the people that we feature. Uh, that said, I've, I've, met, I've thought of this a lot because I, I, I do believe that, you know, the approach has nothing to do with the focal length. I think that the approach could be achieved at whatever focal length you want. In fact, I have some images that I've shot on my, you know, uh, at 11 millimeters on my full frame that I feel are a slow approach images and very intimate. I would describe it as, as a smaller scene, as a small scene even, uh, because, you know, when you're shooting something from four inches away, <laughs> because you have to get so close, right? There's there's definitely sometimes an intimacy there that I think uh, is, is still the same approach. So even though I believe that it's not related to focal length, I think the reason why that happens is the longer focal length, I think, forces you into the editing process of cutting out distractions and cutting away more things. So I think it, it kind of makes you start the editing visually from the stuff that you see in, in a way that, that it kind of um, forces you to say something, right? Because you're taking out distractions and you're taking out things that you don't want to show. Uh, and I think that's harder to do in wide angle, Right. It, because in wide angle, it's harder to to edit out what you don't want. But I think it can be done in both ways, in in, in any of those uh, focal length, I guess. No, I can appreciate that, uh, Beth. Yeah, I I was going to say I think there is a place for wide angle focal lengths in slow photography. You know, I was thinking of an experience that I just had yesterday. Um, you know, my husband and I packed up our camper. We did a one night camping trip. Um, at a local lake where there's some wildflowers blooming. And um, it's such a beautiful time of year in Northern California right now. The hills are green, the wildflowers are out. So we picked this location with these rolling hills, you know, these carpets of lupin and, and the spring green oaks. And man, I just went out there and I was just gobsmacked. <laughs> you know, I was just like, just watching the light, um, you know, change and kiss the tops of the flowers. And it was, it was literally like a spiritual experience for me um, just to just observe it and soak it all in. Um, and I never took my 16 to 35 millimeter off of my camera yesterday. And it was just wonderful just to observe the ever-changing quality of light. Um, so I do think there's a, a place for wide angles and slow photography as well. Brilliant. Well, Jennifer had touched on this a little bit already, but what I'm gathering is that slow photography can be about eliminating, eliminating expectations. What are some other ways that you eliminate those expectations when you're out shooting to, and still be able to create uh, meaningful moments? Uh, Ernesto? Well, I think that, the, you know, I, I'll say that what Jennifer was saying a, few, um, a couple minutes ago really resonated with me because I think that's something that's starting to happen in, in my uh, progress here, right? It's my development that I am, I honestly, I think right around 2018, uh, 2019, I kind of started not chasing images and I hardly ever really go out now to quote unquote do photography. I, I, I go out, you know, usually my wife and I go out to enjoy nature and it's, it so happens that that's often when we're traveling because we have more time. Right. But, but basically we go out to do what we love, which is spend time in nature. And I happen to bring the camera uh, sometimes and, you know, I may photograph, but it's, is it getting rid of the expectation that you are, that photography is like the primary reason why you're going to a place 
gives me so much more enjoyment of the place because we're really focusing on the fact that we love doing this and photography is like almost secondary, right? So that that's kind of what I think Jennifer was was saying something along those lines before that that really resonated because that's something that changed. But the other thing that I do is I, I I remind myself nobody cares, you know, like truly nobody other than me cares if I get a shot on the, on that particular day, right? Like so so that that's a great way to relieve some of the pressure as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you say that because I remember I was with. Um... I think that same trip that Jennifer and I were talking about earlier, I was shooting with Alex Noriega and, you know, the light was okay, the scene that we were shooting. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. This is great. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm not going to shoot it. I mean, he was, you know, but it was nice to, you know, see that. It's like, yeah, just, you know, just because you have your camera and the light looks okay, it doesn't mean you have to take a photograph, right? You can still just enjoy what you're seeing and, you know, it, there's not, there's not a big deal. Uh, Jennifer? Um, I would say two things that have really helped me, especially with my expectations, have been exploring and experimenting. Because both of those, you know, those two words in it of themselves, you know, you don't know what the end result's going to be. Um, that's why ICM is so fun to work with, because you never know what's going to happen when you click that shutter. And it might open the door to something else that you go, oh, wow, this would be really cool. Um, so taking the time to experiment really releases those expectations. Because, I mean, the whole nature of an experiment is you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, and therefore, you don't have expectations. So, you know, experimenting can be playing with a different focal length. It can be, you know, maybe trying a different genre of photography. Um, you know, maybe do something in black and white versus color. Challenge yourself to only shoot with your telephoto. Um, or in my case, actually, lately, I've been challenging myself to actually go back to my wide angle because I, I haven't really used it in a while. And, you know, it's kind of fun to challenge yourself to do that again. And, you know, and exploring, you know, exploring old places or previously known places that I've done and, you know, going back in different weather conditions, different seasons, different um, areas, you know, in different light yields, you know, new imagery that, you know, I previously didn't have. And so that releases expectations. And yeah, just getting out and exploring, you know, hiking, even heading out without camera gear occasionally, just to really reconnect with nature. Um, that's really helped me as well. Because I think so many times when we have our camera gear, we're expected to make a photo when we head out into nature, we feel that pressure of, you know, like, drag all this out here, especially if it's really heavy camera gear, like I do. <laughs> And, you know, you just, you feel like, well, if I don't use my camera and I brought it all the way out here, you know, I have to shoot something. Um, so, yeah, I, I think keeping that mental connection by sometimes heading out without your gear and really, you know, bringing home the fact that we got into this because we, you know, nature is very therapeutic for a lot of us. Um, take the time to just enjoy the experience. Um, you know, I think COVID last year especially taught us that since all of a sudden our entire world turned upside down, we weren't able to get out as much as we wanted to. And all of a sudden, we, I think a lot of us, especially me, realized I might take this for granted occasionally, like these trips into nature. Um, and now they're not here. So now I'm, you know, I, I felt kind of bad about that. So my new goal this year is just, you know, cherish every moment and really, you know, enjoy that experience because you just never know. Um, but those two things, exploring and experimenting for me have really helped with releasing those expectations. Yeah, that reminded me of an experience I had. A, last month, I went on a camping trip out in the desert with my wife and son. And, you know, I was just wandering around this cliff edge for a couple of hours just with my cell phone. And, you know, you know, looking at different patterns in the sandstone and different elements and I'm taking pictures with my phone and 
it gave me some ideas of what I can maybe come back to with my camera. So, you know, it's sometimes just about, you know, keeping your eyes open and looking mm -hmm. for things that might speak to you. So um doesn't mean you're going to make a good photograph, but you're still experiencing nature, right? Anything you would add to that, Beth? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a lot to add actually. Um, cause this is, this is a really, um, interesting topic to me and I'm glad that, that you brought it up, but I'm a very, um, kind of uptight type a type of person, you know, and I've always been the, what I call the project manager or the planner. Um, so I've learned a lot these last few years about, you know, doing less planning, lowering your expectations and just playing and experimenting more without being distracted by fear of failure. Um, I think that's been really, really important. I've also found myself um, not using my tripod as much, doing more handheld and just getting a little bit more creative with some of that um, and just not being afraid to fail because um, I really feel like we can learn from failure and play and experimentation quite a bit. Um yeah, and I've <laughs> I've also I watched this documentary recently. Um, it's called The Call to Courage by Brene Brown, and it's on Netflix. And she talked a lot about the importance of spending time without purpose um, and doing joyful things with no expectation of payoff. And man, that really resonated with me. I felt like that really applied to photography, even though she wasn't talking about photography at all. And then the other thing I was going to mention, too, is we had a clubhouse chat recently. And I don't remember who brought it up, but it was really brilliant. And I wrote it down, um, the importance of setting an intention instead of an outcome. So intention frames creative energy where expectation has, you know, this notion of success or failure attached to it. And that, that to me was really profound. I don't know who said it. So if you're listening, please uh, let me know because I'd love to give you some credit on that. It was really good. That's brilliant. Yeah, and you know, this is supposed to be a stress-relieving, fun activity, right? It's not, I, I don't know about you, but um, as soon as I decoupled expectation from my images, it became fun again, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, you know, if I'm going to use your words, Ernesto, SPM, if SPM was created as an alternative to the competitive, quick hitting bucket list approach to nature photography, how can it offer a more viable alternative with more meaningful content uh, when using the same prevalent social media platforms? I'll, I'll take the first shot at that one. You know, this touches, this kind of just bridges a little bit into the social media conversation, which I think, you know, there's a lot of good in social media. Uh, I wouldn't know Jennifer and Beth probably. And, you know, like we, we use social media to build this, right? So there, there's some good. But social media was honestly uh, one of the main factors that was feeding into that feeling that I described at, at the beginning of this podcast, this feeling of inadequacy. And I got to crank on more work and, you know, the world is watching, you know, and, and it's competitive and, you know, there's so many look at me posts on Instagram, right? And, and if, if you, and you're only as good as your last post and then that's over in two hours and then uh, you gotta, you gotta think about your next one. And, and that, that, that was driving me nuts, right? So, so I think that um, the, uh, it's a great question because we are actually on Instagram. 
but we don't see that as the end, as the goal. Like the, the goal for us is to create change in the culture of photography. And honestly, I think the website is where it's our hub. And then we're trying to start a newsletter now and all these. And, and so basically the, the social media is going to support that. But I think there are some things that we're doing. One, uh, we have to be true to our message and what we're about. So we, we don't, we're not going to bend our social media accounts to get more engagement. So for example, when we started this, we said, it's all about the stories and the, you know, so if the, if there has to be a solid caption that talks about what we're doing and it's meaningful to SPM, otherwise it's not going to get featured. So we don't make an exception for a wonderful photograph because it's stunningly beautiful. We only share content that keeps resonating and emphasizing the message of what we're about, right? So that is kind of, uh, number one. And honestly, when we started this, we heard a lot of good luck because nobody reads captions anyway. But that has, at least in our account, it has has changed because a lot of people have caught on to this. And even though we don't have the largest following, we have a solid engaged group of people that that I think we we feel like we've really built a community with. Um, and, it, and, you know, everything we do from, from what we feature, like I said, to the challenges that we're doing quarterly now, they all have related to shooting close to home. What did you, how did you stay creative in COVID? You know, all these challenges that, that keep emphasizing uh, what we're about. And as we look forward to new platforms like Clubhouse that we've started doing some chats on, we're, we're looking to have conversations that reinforce what we're doing. So moving forward, we're thinking we're going to have a conversation based on every gallery that we publish. Let's talk about it. So now we're creating deeper meaning, deeper connections. Uh, and, you know, or when a new article goes up, let's host with the author, uh, things like that. So I think the answer is get us straight, stay true to the message and only use social media kind of to the extent that it actually helps and reinforce and watch with what you want to do. Well, thank you for saying that. You you you, you triggered me there with the, the whole how people use Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that with, you know, these ridiculous like two sentence just nonsense captions of their images that are just you know, first of all, most of the time it's not even an accurate description of what the photograph is and second of all, it like does zero to engage me. And so I love it when I see people that actually take the time to talk about their experience and why they created that image and why they're sharing it. Because often um, that transcends the, the image itself. And I know people say, you know, if a picture should speak a thousand words and all that and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for me, the experience of being in nature and, and photographing nature is, is almost as important, if not more important than the actual photograph itself. So I would love to hear either Jennifer or Beth uh, talk a little bit about this as well. You know, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, like pretty much everybody else out there. You know, when I first started on Instagram, I was really kind of drawn in by the uh, visual medium of it, the instant engagement that you would get, the feedback that you would get on your images. But then, you know, the flip side of that is that you kind of fall into this trap of comparing yourself to other people, Um, You start comparing your work to other people. You know, you start asking yourself, why do they have so many more followers than I do? And you just get into this very creativity sapping mindset. So for me, you know, social media, I actually had to shut mine down for like two or three months at one point in time. I, you know, deactivated my accounts and I didn't post anything 
And I just used the time to just focus on myself creatively. Um, and then when I came back to it, when I was ready to come back to it, when I felt like my head was screwed on a little straighter, um, you know, I just felt like, you know, I was in a better headspace um, to engage with social media a little bit more. But the role that it plays in uh, SPM, I think, is um, it's still a very useful tool in building up community and making connections and in celebrating other people's work. Uh, there's so many talented people out there. It's incredible. It just blows my mind um, when I scroll through Instagram now, you know, just following the people that I've recently started following through SPM. And I'm just blown away by the talent. And I just love using Instagram to celebrate, you know, those, those underrepresented photographers. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, when it comes to social media, you kind of get what you give, right? I mean, I feel like mm -hmm. one of the things I've noticed is, you know, there's some people that I follow that have very unique work. Maybe they have 4,000 followers on Instagram, but you look at the engagement that they get from fellow photographers and it's meaningful, it's authentic. You know, they're very, they're deeply connected by what that person created and how they described their experience. And then you look at people who have 200, 300, 400,000 followers, and they're just posting like a, like a one sentence description. And you look at the, that kind of engagement and it's ooh, banger and Ooh, that was sick. And you know, it's, it's to me, it's like, what do you want to get out of using this platform? Right. And so um, I appreciate everything you just said. Uh, what would you add to that, Jennifer? Yeah. Um, oh yes. Social media. Yeah. It's, you know, as most of us would say, it's a necessary evil in some aspects, you know, especially those of us that, you know, make our living off of this. Um, yeah, my whole mantra with social media, and it even took myself a year or two to figure this out for myself, but social media is not a measurement of your ability or worth as a photographer. And I think that's super important to drive home because so many of us, including myself, used to fall into that trap of, you know, I would get super excited to post an abstract image and it would get a quarter of the, you know, attention, not even of, you know, like an epic dune shot that maybe I posted a week before. And I used to take that personally, you know, I used to think, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to make it in this world. And then I had that epiphany where I was like, well, no, you know, screw it. I enjoy shooting these things. This is what I'm happy with. And then I realized kind of like what Beth said, I would rather have, you know, a hundred comments on my photo and like, you know, 2000 followers. And I'd rather have that organic engagement because a lot of my photography generates that organic engagement. These are like meaningful, you know, statements from people. And then I, you know, jump in and I talk to them and that to me, like, I love hearing from other people, you know, what my photography does to them or resonates with them or how it does. Um, and to me, that's worth so much more than having, you know, a million followers and, you know, the epic row and everything else, you know, I, I'd rather be among those like-minded photographers. And that's what the SPM movement does, you know, it cultivates a safe environment for others to really, you know, connect with those smaller stories, their feelings towards photography, um, just slowing down and, you know, giving them the ability to share with like-minded photographers. And we've built up this wonderful community and I would take that any day over having, you know, like a million people following us on Instagram because that organic engagement is really what it's all about. Well, I wanted to pause and ask you for a favor. I've set a fundraising goal of 200 supporters on Patreon, 
which is roughly about 7% of our total listeners. If you're one of the thousands of listeners who tune in every week to listen to the show and have been meaning to support us on Patreon, if you could just take this moment to pause and head over to patreon.com forward slash f-stop and listen and help us out, it would mean the world to me. Thank you. Let's get back to our panel discussion with Ernesto, Jennifer, and Beth. Really at the essence of what we're talking about is authenticity. And so I thought that might be a perfect segue for the next question because um, it's true. It's really personally meaningful to me. What are your individual processes for observing and capturing the landscape authentically uh, by, by the use of SPM? And I'll start with you, Ernesto. That's, you know, that is a tough one, Matt, but I love it. Um, I think that uh, for me, uh, it, it goes back to something that we've touched on a couple times, but I'll, I'll, I'll maybe expand on that, which is focusing on the experience of place. Um, you know, I think that once you're focusing on experience, I think that leads to more authenticity because you, you are definitely not working out of preconceptions when you're kind of listening and seeing and experiencing and kind of allowing uh, discovery. Uh, most of my uh, landscape images are have memories attached to them. Uh, and it's usually memories of, you know, me and my wife's vacations or exp- hikes or experience outdoors that there's a lot of joy associated with those memories, right? And, and those are the images that I, that I love to put out. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, that relates to maybe more specific things that, that connect to SPM, like the notion of uh, going back to places and to, to learn more about them. Right. Uh, Because, uh, you know, we are about that. Right. We I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love traveling. I love discovering. I love exploring and seeing new places. But ultimately, what we're trying to create is an alternative to the culture that you are, you know, you're like a banker. You're going to make a withdrawal of an image at every icon in the U.S. Right. (laughs) Like this. This is not where we're we're not chasing. We're we're trying to create a, a counterculture to the culture of like chasing shots and like burning gas everywhere right and and like just kind of so 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 i think that when you focus on experience and you focus on how you connect and you allow yourself to see i think that leads to more authentic images where there's a story attached to them and you know i think the notion of story maybe we can maybe later on we can expand on that because what i found is because i i do art shows where i just show my you know where i bring prints right and i and i and i sell my images what I found is the most meaningful part of those art shows for me is how I connect with the people that, that visit with the audience uh, in the way of stories. When there's no story to the image, you know, if, if, if the images that I maybe used to shoot more often, we're like, oh, yeah, nice image. Like, yeah, I just went out there, set my tripod and boom, you know, the sky happened. People are like, oh, okay. Right. But when you, when you actually have a story to tell about, you know, why the uh, image is meaningful to you, the connection is much deeper. And, and you know, it, it tends to, in my experience, at least, it, it actually tends to drive more business. <laughs> so, yeah. What about for you, Beth? Yeah, I, I would say my process for capturing the landscape authentically really begins with um, starting from a place of a deep connection and reverence for nature, right? I mean, I don't know how anybody could 
go out and photograph nature and not fall in love, <laughs> you know, and I, it's really about respecting the landscape um, that you're photographing in. Um, and I hope that Jennifer talks about nature first a little bit, because I think this is really relevant uh, to this particular topic. Uh, reverence is so, so important for your subject. Um, and I'm, I'm getting to a place where I'm starting to realize the impact that tagging locations in images has. Um, so I'm starting to back off of that more and more, um, especially this past year when I've seen um, some places get so popular and they get so trampled. You know, I, I just I've just stopped tagging locations, and, and it's not because I'm fearful of being you know followed or comp stomped by somebody, but it's more just you know, it's just, it's just keeping it from getting trampled uh, so that other people can enjoy it. Um, I think that exploration in nature is so important. Um, finding your own unique, non-iconic locations, um, that's part of the fun of photography. So just following your curiosity, following wonder and joy, and just playing around. I think that to me is the most important thing about capturing the landscape in an authentic way. And one last thing I'll say is post-processing is important in, in that too. Um, you know, processing in a natural, realistic way, but still conveying the emotions that you felt at the time um, is very important. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I've tried sky replacement once and I felt so greasy and dirty afterwards. I never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. It's just not authentic to me. It just kind of goes against my grain. I know that there's other people that do that and I have nothing against that. Um, but for me, I, it's, it's, it's all about natural realism and emotion. Well, I'm not going to touch that. Um, <laughs> in, in, fear, in, in fear of receiving more hate mail, but uh, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, that that approach to me just kind of detaches us from the experience, and to me that's important. I want to tell a quick story though about the the the, the geotagging that you discussed. I had experience uh, this last fall with a little bit of that. Um, there's a very popular Facebook group um, for Colorado fall colors where people post you know conditions of various places, and then of course what happens is. People post a really cool photo from a location and then like all these people go there, right? And it's inevitable. And unfortunately, I can't convince some of my friends to stop doing it. Um, but literally, I'm, we're at this place um, called Twin Lakes that we've been going to for a few years. And up until this year, like we would go there and you'd see maybe one or two other people for over a whole weekend or three or four days. This time, uh, we got there and then you saw like someone posted a photo from there showing the amazing color change. Literally the next day there was 20, 30 cars. Wow. You know? So it has huge impact. And of course, all those people were, those are typically not the people that are doing their own research and, you know, have an appreciation for, you know, the impact that they might be having. So it, it does have, a, have an effect. So I'm glad you brought it up, but I, I know you, you had mentioned, Nature First and Jennifer and I are co-founders of Nature First. I probably don't want to spend too much time talking about Nature First just because we've covered it at great length. Um, Naturefirstphotography.org. Check it out. Good stuff. Seven principles. Uh, Ernesto. 
Well, I, I wanted to say, talk, just follow up a little bit on what you were saying, uh, Matt, about, um, you know, the, this kind of concept of geotagging and kind of, you know, I, I actually struggle with this a little bit because I, I, I think that, and I agree 100%, I support, you know, what you're talking about, but I do think that there's there's more to this usually, and it really depends on the location and the actual subject. Uh, so I think that it's important that we don't, I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, I want geotag, so then we're good. I think that in, in a way, I actually heard somebody, uh, another Minnesota photographer, I'm not going to get into it now, who recently argued, well, in some cases that could hurt because then there, people are trampling over the whole square acre because they know they're close instead of being able to get to a place. I, 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 that's not my opinion, but that it's an interesting conversation that I would like to uh, certainly hear, like uh, maybe a more uh, nuanced debate on. But I, I, I think that the bigger topic that is kind of the umbrella for this would be, and, and I think it's what we're trying to do, let's build a culture where we're not chasing after shots. And, you know, I think that that would really help with the conversation about geotagging because if we, and, you know, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to build a culture where you're not looking at another image and saying, oh, I'm going to go chase that image. Ooh, you, you were there, so now I'm going to go here, right? If you... If everybody's, tr if we could, and I know it's, it's this is like not realistic, but if if we could get to a place where everybody is living their own experiences and photographing where they what they happen to be enjoying outdoors, doing what they love, and not just chasing images, then then it's going to be great, right? Nobody, then we won't have the crowds, the herds, kind of kind of you know moving on to us to one spot and, and like and, and and destroying that place. So again, I, I just I just think that. There's not enough conversation, I think, sometimes about the fact that, well, let's stop chasing shots. So, so maybe let's stop, let's post less of, you know, the look at this fantastic waterfall that I discovered, um, and 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 let's post images that don't invite that kind of uh, that kind of attention. I love what you said. I think that would be an important step in the right direction. I mean, I think unfortunately you're, we're up against some pretty strong forces, specifically capitalism. I mean, there are countless photographers whose entire business models revolve around getting people excited about very specific photographs and locations and taking people to those spots so that they too can have them for their portfolios. And I think we're that's an uphill battle to fight against that because um, they're playing on some pretty deeply rooted psychological things that are embedded in all of us in terms of fear of missing out and ego and things like that. So But yes, I agree. Slope SPM is a step in the right direction against that culture. We probably just pissed off a whole bunch of people. <laughs> you can you can edit that out, Matt. Anything that will no, be I'm not editing it out. <laughs> You're always gonna make someone angry. That's the lesson I've learned. There's just no getting around it. I mean, you know, Jennifer and I have actually wrote an article for Nature First about this that you know you can run workshops and you can be a educator in photography without relying on epic locations mm -hmm. um it's just it's a complete fallacy that that's not possible beth did you have anything you wanted to add to that or are you I'm like good. i'm step i'm going to leave that one alone <laughs> well but just remember beth is not okay with sky replacements <laughs> I should I, not have brought that I'm not up. okay oh with it. I don't love it either, Beth. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm your, on your team. 
Hey, you know, I I think there's a lot of people that are in that camp. They're just not the most vocal or, you know, it's I had a long conversation with Alex Nail about this because it's um it's hard to be on that side of the argument, right? Cuz it's it's really easy to be on the other side, right? All you have to do is say I'm an artist and let me do what I want. That doesn't really require a whole lot of articulation or positioning. But to position on the other side of it, it requires a lot more effort. And so I think that's where it's difficult. But anyway, we digress. Let's talk about experiences a little bit more. So, you know, elevating experiences is one of the central messages of the SPM platform. Why is there such a strong focus on experience? And what are the benefits of approaching photography in this particular way? Ernesto. Um, Well, I think that when you focus on the experience, uh, good things happen. Uh, your your natural curiosity uh, kicks in. Um, you 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 feel you know when you get to know a place better, and that could be the landscape, that could be the people. Uh, you create connections to that place. Um, I think I think you become more creative. Uh, so I think that photography is really about storytelling, in my opinion. Um, so you cannot tell a story if you don't know your subject. Um, and so I am all for it for experience because ultimately that's what I get out of photography is joy. Um, and that cannot happen without, you know, there's no meaning, there's no depth to it. If you're, uh, capturing something, you know, with, with superficially, right. If you don't really take the time to know, to know a place and its context. So we're really we're really about celebrating those connections, whether they are you know to a place or the story of a place, and and trying to tell those stories through through the through photography because that means that you've you've you're saying something now and you're saying something that's based on on your experience of that place. Mm. What about for you, Jennifer? Yeah, I would agree with everything Ernesto just said. Um, you know, we can all go to the same place, take the same photo, but we all have a different experience when we're taking the photo. And I think that's important. Um, and people want to hear about your experience. You know, when you make things personal, people connect with your your image and your story. Um, because, you know, they, they want to hear that. You know, they want to, you know, hear your experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just about making those connections. And yeah, I don't really have anything else. I mean, Ernesto pretty much hit that one right on the head. Okay. Awesome. Did you want to add anything, Beth? I just didn't want to leave you out. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I was I was just going to say that, um, you know, I, I learned so much from viewing other people's photos. And I've, I've really, I feel like I've grown a lot as a photographer, you know, just reading about other people's experiences um, and, and studying their photos. Um, but it's, you know, again, it goes back to those captions and understanding their experience and their approach, uh, which I think is so important. Um, you know, there's certainly a school of thought about let the image speak for itself and let the viewer interpret it the way that they want. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that there's a place for that, but I'm just saying for me personally, right or wrong, um, I always want to know the backstory of the experience behind it. Um, and why the photographer has a passion and appreciation for that particular subject. That, that to me is really interesting, Beth, because I think that, you know, this, this comes to uh, 
kind of what was the essence of photography, right? It's, it's a communication. So when you have an intent behind an image, are you expecting the person who's seeing it to get that, to read that? Uh, not necessarily. Maybe you are. But I, I think that ultimately, when you take the time to try and tell a story and say something, right, whatever it may be, you you experience something and this is what captured you, your imagination, your attention, and then you framed it in a certain way. I think when you know somebody sees that image, even if what they take from it is different than your intention or you know the way that you were you would explain what you were trying to say, that at least I believe that people will read more into these images when there is some intent to them, even if what they're reading into it is not necessarily exactly what you meant to be seen, right? So I think that the it's a it's a worthwhile exercise, even if if it's not like a conversation, right? Because you're not there to explain it. Yeah, and I think most photographers get that, right? I think when you read some people's captions, you know, they sometimes you can see people trying to tell some kind of story about the experience that they had. And what I find interesting about that is there are some people out there where you you just know that wasn't actually the experience they had because you knew that, oh, anyway, like their workshop instructor put the tripod there and told them to point the camera at a certain object and, or, or maybe they completely replaced the sky or whatever. And like, you know, that, and it's just interesting that like, I think photographers understand the power of storytelling and experience uh, in landscape and nature photography. And they try to use it to their advantage, even when it's not authentic. That, that I think that's, often where I get like really wrapped around the axles when people are <laughs> preying upon our, the recognition that that is a powerful thing yeah. and they're using it against us. I, I hear you, Matt. You know, I think that it's, it's interesting because for, you know, for me, honestly, authenticity is important. And I think that, um, you know, and again, this, this, like tread carefully here, but it, it is, it depends on what you're interested in doing. So like what a lot of us, some of us are interested in doing is, conveying something showcasing how something that we saw is special we love nature we love this thing we saw this moment happen we want to share that in a way that 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 frames a feeling or something that you felt right so for me um like i would have no interest and and you know i also wouldn't have the skill right but uh, to to make a you know make the scene read like a, a different color or a different time of day or a different something uh, to me is more of, of what's your intention with photography because sure you could completely change something but at that point uh, to me it's like what well, I mean that, that that just goes to against my interest in what I'm trying to do right so the point is why would you work so hard why would you work so hard? I'm in my opinion, because I hate post-processing. Okay. Why would you work so hard at like doing something that is, that makes the image be something completely different? Just go take a different image then. Right. So, you know, connections to place. I see Jennifer and Beth nodding, but I don't see either of their hands raised. You have people in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not wading into that minefield. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're just smarter than us, Ernesto. <laughs> well, one thing, one thing I would add, actually. Um, so, I'm working on a new blog post for SPM where I interviewed a art gallery owner, 
and an art consultant, both of who I work with. Um, and it was such an interesting conversation, mm. you know, it, um, especially from, from the art world perspective, right? Because they were talking about, hey, it doesn't matter what medium you're in. You could be photography, painting, dance, whatever. Um, it could be any artistic medium. We all start out copying other people. And it's only through that going through that process of kind of copycatting where you eventually get to a place where you find your own voice um, and you find your own unique vision that you want to share with the world. And that was that was kind of nice to hear. I'm like, oh, that's nice to hear because I've done my share of quote unquote copycatting and, you know, shooting in the iconic locations and you know, like Jennifer said, sticking my tripod in someone else's holes. I think we've all been there. Um, but yeah, over time, you know, you just, you just build up that, that uh, unique voice that you have to share with the world. Yeah, I look forward to building mine. I mean, the, the, here's the thing, like, right. Like that, this is like, like this sounds sometimes like you're saying, I, I don't pretend like I have it. Right. I, in fact, I, my, my photography is very, still very early, hopefully, in its development. And I've done a lot of what you're talking about. Like the first few years, all I did was chase landscapes in Iceland, New Zealand. I mean, I, I, I spent like seven days in Utah. You can imagine the, the, the stress. This was right when SPM was starting, when my crisis was happening. It's like, how do I do as well as all these people are doing with like just, you know, six nights? Um, and, you know, the answer is you don't. <laughs> but but I think that, that you know, it's it's... It's, it's a goal, right? It's an aspiration. And I think that that's something that all of us can pursue, this aspiration to showcasing something that's authentic and that tells a story of something wonderful that you experienced or saw. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people that are listening that are, you know, some of the things I've said and maybe others have said that are they're just rolling their eyes like, oh, they're so, they're so enlightened and so... They're so woke, right? Like, and and I love what you said, Ernesto, because for me, I I have a deep um, sense of humility about my own photography. In fact, I I talk about it all the time. Like, I I don't think my photography is that good. I mean, I I know I have some good photos, but I'm with you. Like, I feel like my journey is really just beginning in terms of discovering what my vision is and and having a, a deeper uh, connection with my subjects and having a voice behind them and. I, I'm not trying to pretend like I'm better than anybody through through this process of failure. I mean, really, it's it's taking risk and it's failing and it's, but I think it's a longer journey and it's more rewarding in the long run as well. So I, I know Jennifer, you talk a lot about this too. Mm-hmm. I'd be I'd love to hear if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, we need those experiences, especially in the beginning, that kind of you know cultivate what we're interested in down the road. Um, you know, I. I mean, yeah, I did that too. I, every location I went to, I mean, I can remember one of the first places I went was Grand Teton National Park, the Snake River Overlook, like, oh, you know, Ansel, I'm going to be Ansel Adams. And, you know, I want, I need this image, you know, and I had his, you know, that image of his on my walls growing up in the house, you know, for years and years and years. And I was inspired by that. So of course I felt when I got started, you know, oh, I need to get that. And taking those shots, you know, was fun, but they were also learning experiences. And every time I shot those, I had a learning experience. And then maybe it directed my interest into something else. And so then I would go down that road. And by heading down all these roads, we end up finding our quote unquote vision. And that kind of leads us to what we're interested in. 
Um, so, you know, cause my work looks a ton different from it did, you know, what it did five years ago, as does all of ours. Hopefully. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I Thank definitely, God. I never get down on anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean... What'd you say that? She said, Thank I God. Said, Thank God. Oh, yeah. No, I'm thinking well, of myself. I, I cringe every time I see like pictures of mine, like oh. from like four or five years ago. I'm like, Oh my God, please. I oh, will God. gladly show people what I was photographing <laughs> five years ago. I mean, we all have those images and you know, that's a learning process. Like don't be afraid of those embrace them because I mean, if we all photograph the same, it would be so boring. If we all process the same, it would be so boring. That's why each of us have these stories and that's what makes this so exciting. But yeah, I never, I never shame anyone when they start out and they want all the iconics. Like that's fine. I mean, eventually, you know, they're going to find their own path too. And, and some people, that's just what they like to shoot. And hey, Jennifer, no one should ever tell you how to do your art. So you go for it. Jennifer, um, there's not many shots from five years ago that I can embrace. Of 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 Jennifer's yeah. of my own no of my own I <laughs> I'm I, just kidding <laughs> I am in love with Jennifer's work are you kidding um, yeah oh uh, but, but I, I was just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no but I I, I yeah. yeah so I I I hear you Jennifer and I, and I and I love hearing that because it gives me hope right I mean I think that honestly I think I was looking at my website before this i'm like oh boy are people gonna start to start going to my website now oh no um and and and, and you know hopefully you go to the spm website everyone uh there's really good content there but i'm you know, looking at my website thinking, there's a lot of cleanup that i gotta do here uh, i gotta get rid of a lot of stuff and you know there's probably 10 images that i like right and ho- those, those are the 10 that i'll hopefully still have in five years <laughs> right i was the same way until i updated mine i had like the same photos on there for like four years and I was just like, oh, man, this is bad. Like, this doesn't show where I am today. So, yeah, that was a big process. But, I mean, it's it's fun to go back and even look at those old images because, you know, it's still part of your journey. Like, even if you delete them all off Instagram and you try to hide from them, embrace those because those are what led you to where you are today and they'll continue eating you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's just fun. I mean, come on, we all have that oversaturated image that we all look at and go, Clarity, clarity slider, slider. The clarity. Yeah. clarity slider yes. <laughs> oh i was in love with that slider Me loved too. it like just thought oh look at this one movement oh it's amazing just don't nice and it. crispy yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no and i was D- just gonna say <laughs> yes and d hayes too yeah no i was just gonna say i i leave my old images up on my instagram from when i first joined on purpose so that i could mm-hmm. scroll down and oh, yeah. every once in a while and just see like how much i've been able to improve and you know going back to that conversation that i was um mentioning earlier with the with the art gallery owner she she mentioned one of the things that she looks for in artists is their progression she wants to see how they progress um, when she's, you know, selecting artwork for her gallery. So that, that was interesting to me too. That kind of alleviated some of the pressure of, you know, keeping past cringe worthy work on your Instagram feed. So, well, Beth, I think that, you know, unfortunately what I've discovered too, is t- two things. When I was posting the big broad landscapes, I was getting a lot more engagement. Okay, uh, on my social media, well, it it's dropped down significantly, and you know, so I've I've, I've read about it. It's like, well, check for content creep in your account. Is it changing? I'm like, yes, yeah, changing, and I guess it's not for the better when it comes to engagement. 
and fine. That I think that I'm, I'm okay with that, right? The, the the only images that might still get good engagement is I, I do have a, a one gallery where I where I have my 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 wife in, in the shots because I you know we love doing that because it's fun, and those those people like on Instagram. And, and I'm also not going to stop doing that because people like those on Instagram, right? Like you don't want to have the reverse reaction either. You just don't want to depend. You don't want to let anybody tell you why you should or shouldn't do something like that. But the other thing that I wanted to say is art shows are very humbling in that sense because uh, because the stuff that I sold a few years ago, and we'll see when I go back because after COVID and I couldn't do any. But what I noticed is as my photography was already starting to change, some of the stuff that I like better that I'm really proud of really doesn't sell. So, so you know, people are we're still buying my older shots uh, that were much more dramatic or much more more kind of literal representations of a of a familiar place. You know, because you know, so if I'm shooting icons in the Twin Cities, those are the ones that you know people will go and buy all the. Oh yeah, been here, been here, been here, been here, been here. Uh, so you know, those selling like hotcakes. You know, and then you're tired of selling those. You know, like how about my more artistic images do you want you know like like look at this and people are like yeah beautiful but they're not buying that so it's kind of interesting right like for for you know if you're not making your income like like jennifer like for us beth and i we're architects so we're we do this for fun and and i'm fine with you know whatever uh and for jennifer she's getting her income through education i if your main income is selling prints boy that would be a tough reality i think because uh i think it would be hard to stay true to what you want to do uh, and not be responsive to what to what sells. Yeah, that is tough. I actually just had this conversation a few months ago with a friend um, who does have a gallery, and he said, you know, we went out shooting together, and you know, I was doing my little thing of wandering and finding what spoke to me, and he said, well, you know, I see what you're shooting. He's like, I just can't shoot that because it doesn't sell. And I said, well, I get that because he makes his full income from his gallery, and I said that that's got to be a hard position to be in because you kind of have to almost let go of your creativity and just shoot what sells and what people connect with and like, um, you know, and he said, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard because some days I feel like I've lost that little spark, you know, like I'm incapable of being creative now and, you know, doing that. And, you know, he said, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with like, you know, how do I do that? Because I want to, you know, start photographing the things that, you know, speak to me. And I would just say, you know, I would just encourage anyone in that situation, you know, I, I get it. You, you make your living through these images that sell. I mean, the public, has made no bones about what images they like to put on the wall and certain things just sell. It's science. Um, but I would encourage you, you know, just don't, you know, don't shut yourself out from that creative time, you know, definitely make time for yourself to go out and make images that are meaningful to you. So you're getting the best of both worlds. Um, you know, just don't ever let your creativity stop just because, you know, you're depending on, you know, what other people want to see. Um, I get it. It's your profession, but just still taking just an hour or two or a day and a trip when you're getting those images that sell to take some time for yourself, give yourself that permission to play and be creative. So you don't lose that, but it's very hard. I was going to say, I, that's kind of my approach. I, I do both. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's not that hard to do both really, but what were you going to say, Beth? No, I was, I was going to mention the same thing because, uh, you know, my side hustle is selling images for healthcare environments. And, and Matt, you and I have corresponded on this before. Um, and I do go out to get images that I think might sell for that particular environment, but I also get immense satisfaction out of it. Like for me, it's not a creativity killer 
for me, it's more like, you know, this is a cool challenge um, to find these scenes that I think might do well in those environments. But that's not to say like, you know, two of my other favorite subjects don't sell in healthcare at all. You know, astro being one, you know, astrophotography and winter scenes. I love shooting winter scenes so much. I love going in the snow, but those would never sell for, for a healthcare uh, environment. Um, but it, that's, that's just what I wanted to say. You can kind of do both, I think. No, it is funny what you had said earlier about the stuff at the art shows, Ernesto, because I had an experience just two days ago where someone reached out to me. She's in a like an art consultant or something, and the the U.S. government's building this huge complex somewhere in Colorado Springs, and they liked one of my photos. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to print it like 12 foot wide for this huge banner on the entry. And I was like, okay, cool, awesome, yeah, like, which one is it? And she's like, oh, it's this one. And it's, I'm, it's like 2013, and it's this composited Milky Way over these mountains. And I'm just like, Oh, I so hate that photo. Why did you have to pick that photo? You know, but it's, it's what people like, man. So, it's, yeah. yeah. So, man, so, so I recently took some photos off of my website and I've gotten emails from an art consultant asking, Hey, I want to license this photo, but I can't find it anymore. And you're like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough to balance that. Um, okay, well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. You know, I, one of the things that's near and dear to me is is the kind of the idea of the the linkage between conservation and leave no trace and things of that nature. So, you know, respect towards our photographic subjects is mentioned in one of your goals for SPM. So, how do the goals of SPM align with conservation and leave no trace and other initiatives that aim to protect our natural resources? Um, let's go with. Jennifer. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of what was mentioned earlier about, you know, slowing down and just respecting these places, you know, I mean, part of slowing down is, at least to me is, you know, getting knowledge about, you know, heading to the places that you're going to shoot, actually slowing down to take the time to research to inform yourself. And I think the nature first principles, you know, align with that quite well, because, you know, you, you should be researching where you're going, maybe there are certain seasons, you shouldn't be you know, heading down this trail because they're, you know, protecting bears or something that are just coming out of hibernation, or maybe there's a tundra moss that's growing that, you know, obviously takes hundreds and hundreds of years to grow back. Um, you know, informing yourself about those things could definitely be a branch of slow photography, and it, it should be something that we're all doing. Um, you know, it's, you know, you could definitely go down a rabbit hole on this, but, you know, just that respect for nature. I mean, nature to me, you know, I treat nature at it's kind of like my coworker, you know, I mean, I I head out and I get therapy from it. You know, I I base my education and my work on it. So I, you know, I I wouldn't treat it poorly, you know, just like you wouldn't go like, you know, smack around a coworker or, you know, trash your office. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way about nature. It gives us so much back that we do need to respect that, you know, nature doesn't have a voice. So we need to be nature's voice and ambassadors for helping these lands that we love. And I, I just think that ties in with slow photography. And I'm glad that it's, you know, written on the website, you know, kind of in one of our little mission statements, because yeah, it's very important. Um, and I've been called an elitist. I've been called other horrendous names because I haven't, you know, said exactly where a location is, <clears throat> which I always find is humorous. Death Valley, especially with a lot of my mud images, you know, people want to know all the time where they are. And 
I literally told someone once, you know, well, this was on the edge of the Zabriskie parking lot. Like literally it was right over the concrete barrier to the parking space. Like I shot this there and they got very upset and said I was lying and I was just being elitist. And it's like, no, I literally just went in the parking lot and shot that. But yeah, it's, it's hard. You know, you just got to ignore those people and just know that you're doing it for the benefit of nature and you're being responsible. But yeah, slow photography can definitely cultivate that attitude. Beth? I don't know if I can say it any better than Jennifer just did, but I, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, how can you have respect and reverence for a subject while you're trampling it? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, So I'm a big proponent of, you know, you live your values in everything. You live your values in your photography, your art, and in nature. And if that's what you respect, you, you just, you just live it every day. I do have a funny story though. I posted a, a picture um, on my Instagram memories recently where I was kind of like laying down in the poppies and I was kind of shooting up, looking up at them. And everybody's like, aha, that's so funny. And then I get this one comment from Eric Bennett. He's like, really? You love poppies so much you're going to trample them? And I was like, oh, dang. How do I respond to that? And I, I literally had to like think about it for a couple hours. And I finally uh, messaged him back. And I said, dude, I said, I think you misunderstood. I literally picked this patch of dirt where there were no puppies. And I was kind of like squeezing into that and trying my best not to trample anything. And so anyway, I told him that. And he's like, oh, no, that's cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't want to come across as being one of those people that's going to, you know, do anything to get the shot because that's that's not what I'm about. Um, But it was funny that that stupid story that I posted Instagram was perceived that way. Donald, don't feel bad. Eric likes to give me crap all the time for my photos. So (laughs) you're not alone. I I think that, you know, I think, Matt, uh, I think that... uh, one thing that we touched on before is, yeah, I think we're doing a lot of things that focus on um, how do you, how are you creative uh, near your house? Or how are you creative in your neighborhood? How are you creative with unique subjects? And I think that that in itself can have a positive impact because hopefully that takes less traffic from everybody's going to the same places all the time. Um, so I think that that's, important but I, I other than that i just want to second what what beth and jennifer said because we we love i mean we're all doing this for love of nature and love of the landscape and passion for it and i think that we just have to remember that when we're, when we're out on the field you know i i have to say i have been very disappointed uh many times uh, honestly you know seeing behaviors right but also uh sometimes like going to a place, you know, when I was, because like I said, up until recently, I, I have been chasing shots off and I go to places and I'm like, I've been to some waterfalls where I like get there and it's like, oh, I can't get the shot because, it, you know, that means that I would have had, I need to walk down this little slope here that's all vegetated. And there, there, there's just so many places where I've been to where a shot has been taken and I realized, oh, that's, you know, it, it might not be illegal because there might not be any signs. But clearly, you are leaving the path and walking through vegetation uh, in, a, in a beautiful place to, to get that image. And I think that, that we just need to all stop doing that, right? And I think that if what we're doing is, hope, is hopefully helping to 
create a sense of kind of awe and connection to nature and caring, then hopefully it's also inviting people to be less inclined to, you know, step over nature, in, you know, for an image. Because again, yeah, I'll go back to nobody cares if you get that image. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. So, you know, SPM is, is not something that you've monetized. I'm curious, what motivates you to invest your time in this effort? And how do you balance this with your own photography and other commitments? And I'd like to kick that off with Ernesto, since you kind of, you know, you spearheaded this whole thing. It, I, okay, so I, I think it's funny that when this started, it was because I was feeling the sense of frustration and like I wasn't doing enough. Like I, I wasn't being effective enough. I wasn't doing enough work. Uh, so I, in hindsight, I do sometimes think it's funny that the solution was, well, let's create this whole other project that will take up half of your time, you know, that you have for photography. Uh, but, but it's been interesting because, you know, it's a, for me, it is a huge time commitment. Uh, and, and it takes a lot of, it's it been a huge effort, right? To like, cause it's not just like, it's, it's the website, it's Instagram, it's all these things, it's all these conversations and we meet often and we brainstorm it with all these things. But it's been kind of interesting because yeah, of course, I think I would have been doing much more photography over the past couple of years if I had, if I wasn't doing this. And yet this is probably one of the main things that has made me fall in love with photography again. And I am much more passionate about photography now and the little that i do i am much happier with uh and you know so i am energized by it because uh it's helped me grow uh it's made me a better foot it's making me i hope uh i need to really always be aspirational about this because like i said i i have a long way to go uh but it's making me a better photographer i'm learning a lot from uh, from Jennifer Beth and everybody else that engages with this. And, you know, it's giving it more meaning and depth and it's making me uh, get to know people, make connections, make friends. So honestly, that's what energizes me, the fact that it's, it's, it's giving my efforts more meaning, uh, even though uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you know, when they went to the gym, it's like, yo, you can't live that way, then put more on. Uh, that's when it feels what it feels like that sometimes in terms of my schedule. But, uh, but it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience and it's dramatically changed my perspective. And I have to credit, like I said, uh, Jennifer and Beth have been f fantastic and a great influence on me. And it's dramatically changed my perspective where I, I'm really kind of looking forward to see where my photography goes now, as I have really stop doing it the way that I used to do it. And I don't remember the last time that I looked at a weather app to see if I was going to go out shooting, you know, uh, it's, it's just a dramatic change from, uh, from what I used to do. So it's, it's changed my outlook in a very positive way. And that's, uh, because of the wonderful people and collaborators and all the other people that participate have, are kind of influencing me now. So that's, that's really what motivates me. Go ahead, Beth. Um, yeah, I'd love to pile on to what Ernesto just said, because um, it's, to me, one of the most enriching parts of SPM is the fact that we build each other up. You know, we, we celebrate each other's accomplishments, we support each other, 
Um, I think as, as artists and photographers, it's so important to build each other up. It's not a competition. Um, it's about creating a safe place for people to share their experiences, share their images. And for me, that's my motivation for doing it. To Ernesto's point, I've, I've learned so much from other people. Um, and, and I still have so much to learn. It's, it's crazy, but in terms of like balancing the effort of maintaining it, you know, it, it does, it does help that there's three of us <laughs> doing it, uh, shouldering the burden. So it's not falling on any one person. Um, you know, and all three of us have heavy commitments outside of this, right. You know, Jennifer's super busy, full-time nature photographer, uh, an educator, Ernesto and I both share, a similar path of practicing architecture, which is a demanding career. But, you know, to Ernesto's point, it's we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't uh, getting a lot out of it personally and mm-hmm. contributing to the photography world in, in that way. Jennifer? Yeah, the I mean, I don't want to be like an echo for what they said. I, I, I mean, they've hit it all on the head. Um, but yeah, it's the relationships, just the enrichment that I've gotten being among like-minded photographers, creating this wonderful community that we have, I get so much out of that. Um, And like Beth said, we're constantly learning. You're never done learning. And just the inspiration from everyone that participates in the slow photography movement has, I mean, that's been worth its weight more than any other monetary income that I could say. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I do it out of pure passion and pure joy and it's just been so rewarding. So, I mean, maybe that's a fantastic segue into the next question, you know, how does SPM build community and encourage the sharing of experiences among photographers? Because as I'm hearing you guys describe this, it reminds me of a lot of the reasons why I, I'm a photographer. You know, it's it's more than just being in nature and, and you know, making images. It's, it's about having personal relationships and connections with other people who are like-minded. So I'm curious, how does SPM do that? Ernesto? Um, I think there's... uh, um, Beth was just talking about celebrating each other. I think there's a big difference. uh, And and it's it's very important to us because um, one of the things that, at least for me, was very important at the beginning of this effort was to make sure that we were building a non-competitive environment. Um, There's enough look at me posts and 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 personalities in the photography world it seems to me from the little that i know of it uh, and i think that there's there could be more uh let's celebrate each other let's not fight over uh compositions or shots or locations let's um let's support each other let's let's give a platform to more voices um uh, so so i think that we're, we're trying to do that in, in a lot of ways uh one is by um, focusing on uh, you know the, the sharing of of content and and stories that have that are somewhat deeper and, and, and create opportunities for conversation because we're not we're not just kind of putting images out without that context so it's like the work itself can become become kind of a platform around which we can center some really good conversations and we've started doing that now, and in, in, like I said, in some of these experiments with Clubhouse, which have been really interesting. Um, so I think that there's a lot more that we can do in the future uh, about this. Uh, you know, I think that we, I look forward to that. You know, I, in my head, I, I was imagining, imagine like some articles on our website starting to happen by like 
co-contributors or writers or like, you know, literally some, some more kind of uh, somehow kind of highlighting that, that, that we all kind of see value in, in, in work that is broader than, than just our own. Um, you know, I don't, I think that that's, that's kind of aspirational. Again, I think that we're, we're, we're looking for ways to do that. Perhaps a SPM conference. There you go. <laughs> I like it. A symposium. Yes. Yeah. That would be, that would be a lot of fun. Actually. We can dream. We can dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, we could do it somewhere that is totally devoid of iconic locations and take people out and show them how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll call it. And then you can use all my images as, a, as examples of what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> if we do it in my area, we could choose a, any suburb here and call it, you know, we can call it out of Bloomington or something, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything other of you would add to that? No. Um, it's just, yeah, it's about lifting other voices up, like Ernesto said. I mean, that's why our Instagram feed, you know, I, I love our feed because we're featuring, you know, so many different artists that a lot of people don't even know are out there. And just, you know, that's just so fun to do. You know, I love lifting other people up because, you know, it's it's not a competitive field. It shouldn't be. Art isn't a competition. Um, and so many other voices have so much more to offer. Um, and I just, yeah, I love cultivating that kind of, environment where we can you know lift each other up yeah i love that too you know that's one of the things i've been enjoying about writing for on landscape and doing featured articles on different photographers all right well last question who would each of you recommend for the podcast who should our listeners uh take a look at be more interested in um seeing their work um be especially curious if it's someone who is on your radar and for spm well, the person I had on my list, you actually just did her. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking her. And then another one, I don't know if you've already interviewed him, James Rodewald. I'm probably saying his last name wrong. James Rodewald, yeah. Yeah, he's been a, he contributes a lot to SPM. Uh, nat- nature's really awesome. Sake Photography. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that is his handle, yes. Mm-hmm. Anyone else, Beth or Ernesto? I know Ernesto was like <laughs> shaking his head violently. <laughs> I well, think Jennifer that, stole mine because I, I I actually reached out to James and I said would would you be um, would you be okay if I threw your name out there? He's like, oh my god, yeah, that would be awesome. But you know, one one thing that I love about his work is he kind of ties this this um, theme of conservation um, with his photography and his you know his reverence for nature um, and subjects really just shows through in his images. So I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. I don't know if he shared with you, he recently did like a little ebook mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it was like, um, like basically like the skin on of animal elephant. abstracts. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Was re- yeah really we featured cool. one of his images, um, in our last gallery on that, on our textures gallery. Um, yeah, but it's a beautiful book and he, he really has a really nice website, um, and email as well. Just really well put together. Yeah, he and I banter from time to time on Instagram. <laughs> cool. Well, you guys, this has been amazing. This is fun. Yeah, well, I'll have a little bit of fun editing editing some of my commentary. But <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you have some fun, uh, some fun, some fun editing some of mine too, uh, Matt. Um, <laughs> no, that all stays in. That all stays in, Ernesto. 
<laughs> oh, that's what, that, that was the extra fee, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right. I only edit out the stuff that I regret saying. <laughs> well, thank, thank, thank all three of you for, for joining me on the podcast. It's been really fun, and I hope I hope more people get interested in this style of, of photography because I think it has a lot of value. Yeah, thanks thank for having us, Matt. It's been fun. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Well, thanks again to Ernesto, Jennifer, and Beth for joining me on the podcast to talk about the slow photography movement. If you enjoyed the discussion, I'd encourage you to head over to slowphotographymovement.com to learn more about how you too can break away from the pressures of fast-paced landscape photography and rediscover your passion for the craft of nature photography. And finally, just a quick reminder, if you have always wanted to try out luminosity masks, I recommend you try ArcPanel. One of our patrons, Anton Everine, is the software developer for it, and I promise it's actually very good. It's intuitive, it's easy, and it's fast. Just head to arcpanel.averin.bodo. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.